Story HQ's Journey to Success podcast, the podcast specifically for RT students because you all are the future of the respiratory therapy profession, and not everything you need for success can be found in your textbooks. I'm Tanya Peel. I'm so excited to be here to give you a little guidance and insight, a few tips, maybe a few tricks to help you be successful on your journey through respiratory therapy school. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. I am thrilled to be able to introduce a series of podcasts today that are going to be dealing with the interview process. And this is not the normal information you usually expect from an interview. You know how to write a cover letter and how to tailor your resume and how to answer example interview questions. No, 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 no. That's not what we are doing today. Um, If you need that, I'm sure they've taught you this in RT school. They've probably had a unit that they've wanted you to build an example resume. If you haven't done that, I bet there's a career center on your campus that can help you with this. But what I really want to focus on starting today and through a series of podcasts is to show you how you can interview the hospital to find out if they are a good fit for you. Okay, and that's kind of a change in mindset. You have gone through two years or more of school with the end result to get your credential and to get a job in the profession, all right? So you want to make sure you have a job you enjoy. So the interview is a two-way street. It's for the hospital to determine if you're a good fit for their team, and it is for you to determine if the hospital is a good fit for you, okay? So during the interview, the first part of the interview, the hospital gets to interview you, Okay, they're going to start out by saying something like, well, tell me a little bit about yourself. Why did you want to go into respiratory therapy? What do you think makes you a good fit as a respiratory therapist? And they're going to start asking you typical interview questions or maybe more of a behavioral interview question. But when they're done, they're going to turn around and they're going to ask you, do you have any questions for me? Okay, and you want to ask questions, this is your opportunity to figure out if you want to work there, if they are a good fit for you. Because we all want to be happy with our jobs. You want to be happy with your chosen profession of respiratory therapy. And to do that, you need a job where you feel supported, where you feel appreciated, where you feel valued, where you feel part of a team, And a team is everybody working together for the greater good of the patients. That is what every single one of us got into healthcare for is because we had compassion and we wanted to help people. You need to be in an environment that you can do that and you can feel good about yourself. You want to leave your shift each and every day feeling like you've made a difference. Nobody wants to clock out at the end of their shift feeling like they've provided poor care, feeling like they were so rushed and they had to get so many treatments done that they weren't able to properly assess the the patients and give them what they really need. You want to make sure you are in an environment where you have the opportunity to provide the best care you can for your patient. Because if you are happy with your job, you will provide great care and you'll keep showing up to work and departments will start retaining therapists. So this podcast is for new grads, for therapists that are looking for a different employment opportunity and really for departmental leadership 
to think about maybe what they can do with their environment to start creating this type of culture. I'm going to share the backstory here because I think if you are a student about to graduate, you're really going to identify with this. So it is February and we have a group of 22 students that are going to graduate in May of this year. So this is their final semester and this is the semester that um, we're allowing them to work more autonomously in clinicals. We're prepping them for their credentialing exam. You know, things are about to get real for them because they're going to go out into the workforce and they're not going to have their instructors beside them. So there's a lot of anxiety associated with that, wondering how well they're going to make that transition into the workforce. And so anytime the students have anxiety, I have a little bit of anxiety. And the best way to take care of that anxiety is to do something about it. So my team has decided that we just, we started having lunch and learns. And one of the ways we were going to combat this was to come up with interview strategies. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, as you transition into the workforce, the workforce is different now than what it was five years ago. You're moving into a workforce that a lot of healthcare is suffering from mental exhaustion and burnout having dealt with COVID. In respiratory therapy, that's magnified even more so because not only are they still struggling with the COVID burnout, we're working with national shortages. And so some departments have dealt with this very well that their staff feels supported and they're doing a good job and there are some other departments that are out there that are still struggling with these issues and and have some work to do so you you really want to ascertain what type of environment you're going into because you want to make sure that you are supported and so that you can thrive in your career so today we're going to go over three things. Number one, the overall impression that you receive from the interview process. Number two, we're going to talk about questions that you do not ask during an interview. You don't want to start out on the wrong foot. And the third thing we're going to really dig into is questions to ask to assess the support system offered by the department. Okay. So my students refer this as being thrown to the wolves. They don't want to be thrown to the wolves after they start and get through orientation. So we're gonna, I'm gonna give you the questions to be able to ascertain that. Here we go. Okay, so let's talk about this first thing a little bit. You want to assess the overall impression that you receive from the entire interview. Because first impression counts. You are there to make an impression on the hospital that you want to grow and learn in respiratory therapy. But you should also be paying attention to the impression that whoever you're interviewing with gives to you. Okay, let me give you an example of what I mean. Any student that wants to apply to the respiratory care program has to have a one-on-one -on -one advising session with me before they can apply. And during this advising session, my goal is to, to obviously tell them about the profession, to tell them the steps to the application process so they can increase their chances of getting accepted. But another one of my goals is to give them enough information about me and our program and my team's belief about education. 
every one of those potential applicants should walk away from that advising session knowing that if they choose respiratory care and they're accepted into my program, that we are dedicated and committed to supporting them, to making sure they make it through our program. They're a safe, well-rounded, critical thinking respiratory therapist, and they should feel that I'm invested in that. And if they walk away not feeling like that, shame on me. That is my fault. All right. So when you are in an interview at the hospital, you should leave with the impression that that department and that manager who represents the department is invested in your education, in your growth, and in patient care. And if you don't have that feeling, maybe that hospital is not a good fit for you. Okay, second topic. These are questions that you do not ask during the interview process. Okay, number one, don't ask a question that has anything to do with money. And if you're going to ignore me on this one, if you're going to ask about money, you better leave it to the end of the interview. Okay, so if they ask you, do you have any questions for me? And what you lead with is, do you offer a sign-on bonus? Or what is the starting base pay? You leave the impression that all you care about is money. And really, ultimately, what you should be caring about is patient care. All right, so you want to lead with the impression that, that patient care is is your your biggest priority because really it should be that's what we're in healthcare for you also want to make sure that they know you have a desire to learn that you want to grow in the profession that you want to become part of a team and if you lead with money first instead of all of that other stuff you've already made a mistake so be careful about money questions Second thing you do not want to ask is for, especially if you're interviewing for a full-time position, you don't ask about flexibility in the schedule because you have three PRN jobs, all right? You should never ask a hospital how flexible they're going to be with your schedule so you can work for another institution. That shows a lack of commitment for the job that you're interviewing for, so be careful there. Another thing you want to be careful with is don't leave them with the impression that you're not committed to the RT profession. All right, let me give you an example here. Let's say that you want to further your education and you're going to ask a question about tuition reimbursement. Well, I think that's great. But if you ask the question like this, my ultimate goal is to become a cardiologist. What kind of tuition reimbursement do you have? Well, you're interviewing for a position that hopefully that administrator wants you to stay there and grow in the profession, and you have just told them that you're using RT as a stepping stone. While they may applaud that drive, no director wants to invest in someone who knows up front they have no commitment to the field of RT. So you don't want to leave the impression you're just using them as a stepping stone. Be careful there. 
And one last thing I'm going to say, be, uh, be careful of, and this isn't going to leave a bad impression. There's just a better place to do it. Um, talking about benefits and, and things like that. Okay, so benefits, um, insurance and retirement and PTO and all of that stuff is a system-wide question. And that question might be best left to human resources, okay? Um, there are better questions that you can ask in an interview process to ascertain if you're a good, uh, they are a good fit for you. Now, let's get down to the good stuff. These are questions that you need to ask to assess to see what type of support system the department has for new grads. All right. I really do like the way my students say it. They want to be able to assess if they're going to be thrown to the wolves as soon as they are out of orientation. All right. So I think you can figure this out, out within two, maybe three questions. Okay. So I'm going to tell you what to ask about. I'm going to give you an example of how maybe not to ask the question and then give you an idea of how you should ask these questions. All right, so the first question to assess if you're being thrown to the wolves is to ask about the orientation process that's provided for new graduates. Um, if you're a seasoned therapist and you're switching jobs, maybe that question is that you ask what type of orientation process do they have for uh, new employees to the department. But basically, you you want to be in a place that gives you an adequate orientation to what that department was about, how they take care of patients. So be careful how you deliver it. So if if the, part of the interview comes down and the, the department manager says, okay, do you have any questions for me? And you say, yes, tell me about your orientation process. There's nothing really wrong with that. It's just super direct, okay? And maybe you're a direct kind of person and maybe that works for you. But this is an opportunity for you to show your personality and you also to be able to show that patient care and being part of a team and learning and growing is important to you. So instead of just directly asking about their orientation process, you can spin it like this. I'm really excited to start my career and taking care of patients using the skills that I've learned in school. But I want to make sure that I start off on the right foot. So can you share with me the orientation process that your department has for new graduates? See how that gives them a little bit of insight to your priority? And it, it it's going to leave an impression that you are interested in something other than what you're going to receive, that you're going to be part of that team and that you care about patients. All right, so you ask the question and then listen to their response. All right, so if their response is something like this, well, we send you out with a therapist for a couple of days, maybe three days, and then we let you loose on your own. Okay, I'm not going to tell you what's right or wrong, but do you want that type of orientation into a hospital? And while that might be fine for a very small facility, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know that it necessarily is for a facility that maybe has, you know, close to a thousand beds, multiple towers, different specialty units, you know? So think about that 
type of orientation process and if it is what you need and what you desire. All right. So after you ask that, the follow-up question might should be this. What if during the orientation, I struggle in certain areas? Is there a process that we would go through to help me strengthen certain weak areas? All right. And, and I think this is a great question because we are not all going to be strong across the board in every single area, but this allows them to realize that you know that, but you're willing to work on it. Okay, so some hospitals are set up beautifully. You know, they may tell you about, they may have a four-month orientation process for new grads. And if they do, I guarantee you they have something built into that orientation for remediation, you know, if you're struggling in certain areas. So first thing you're wanting to ask is about the orientation process. Now, if that's not enough information for you to know if you're being thrown to the wolves, Here's the next question that you ask. And here's the way to just deliver it directly, and then I'll give you a way to soften it up. So you want to know about the treatment loads that you're going out with after graduation. All right, so here's the question just delivered directly. What is the average treatment load after orientation? All right, you can say it like that, but how about if you say it like this? Patient safety and me being able to deliver effective care is very important to me. Can you share with me the average treatment load I would carry upon completion of orientation? Okay. And listen to their response. All right. I'm not going to tell you what the right treatment load is. And I am not, uh, I'm just, I'm just not going to do that. But listen to what they say. Because if they say that in a 12 hour shift, you go out with 30 treatments or so, well, that seems manageable. But if they say, no, you're probably going to go out with anywhere between 60 and 80 treatments, well, that's a heavy treatment load. And you need to think about that. So if they give you something that you feel like it is, is an excessive treatment load that you cannot handle safely with quality care, and I'm just going to say this right now, if you're going out with 70 treatments, you're going out to do task. You're not giving effective care. You're giving efficient care. And that's not what you've trained for. All right? So if they give you a treatment load number that seems excessive to you, follow it up with this question. You want to ask about a triage protocol. Okay, so good departments will know that there's absolutely no way a therapist can deliver quality patient care with an excessive treatment load, and they will not expect you to do it all. And there will be a triage protocol for it. So here's how you ask that question. You can say, okay, I, I understand that that's, that's a pretty heavy load. I am really concerned about patient safety and the ability to deliver quality care. So if I go out with that heavy treatment load, do you have a triage protocol that you will teach me how to use so I can identify very quickly and safely the patients that maybe don't need their treatment because I do understand there is a certain amount of misallocated therapy. 
All right. So that lets them know you realize that you can use your patient assessment skills to figure out who needs therapy and who doesn't. And a department hopefully will have a triage protocol. All right. So if they tell you what the triage protocol is and they then they tell you how there may be assistance in ha- heavy uh, handling that heavier treatment load, then they have a plan for that. But if the hospital says, nope, we don't really have a triage protocol, well, then that means they expect you to get that all done and you're going to be running up on the floor performing tasks. And I'm not telling you what is right for you. I'm just asking you to think about the environment you're working in and what it's going to take to make you feel happy with your job, to make you feel like when you leave at the end of the shift that you've done a good job for your patients. All right. So you're asking about the orientation. You're asking about the treatment load. If that's not enough for you to determine the type of support system, here's the third question I want you to ask. Ask about their turnover rates. Okay. So now this is this one gets down to the nitty gritty because you're asking them to share with you the number of people that leave their departments. So I would just say, can you share with me this last year your turnover rate for new hires? You know, and listen to that percentage. If it's a low percentage, that means they're retaining their staff. Okay? Which means they're probably doing something right that staff want to stay. If that turnover rate's really high, if they say, well, out of everybody that we hired this last year, 70% of the people have left, you need to question why that is. Maybe not ask them that question, but it seems that there may be a problem there. And they should have a reason for it if it's excessively high. So listen to that reason. Okay, so... Those are the questions to know if you have been thrown to the wolves. So this this week when we did the lunch and learn and we were talking to our students about asking these type of questions to see if they're getting thrown to the wolves, one of the students asked a very, very good question. And the question was, well, what if we're asking and the person we're interviewing with gets offended or becomes defensive? This was a really good question because nobody wants to tick somebody off in an interview. So here's here's my advice on this. If you're delivering these questions in a non-confrontational manner and you're asking it to show that you value patient care, that you value safety, that you value effective patient care, that you value being part of a team, that person should not be offended, okay? So I wouldn't worry about offending them, but I would be concerned if they get offended or defensive, and I'd take note of that. All right, it's just like any relationship. If in a relationship somebody asks us a question or it opens our eyes to a truth about us that we, we're lacking a certain asset or we, we have a change that we need to make. We have something that needs to be fixed within ourselves and we're exposed to that truth. We may not like it and we get defensive. I think it's the same thing in an environment that if there is something that that department realizes they're lacking, they may be defensive about having not fixed it yet. 
And I think that this is an area of concern because if the person you're interviewing with gets defensive or offended by this, then you have to ask yourself the question, is this a type of environment that you're going to go into that there's no open communication and transparency between management and staff? All right. So don't worry about offending. I mean, ask the questions in the correct manner. Don't worry about offending with these questions, but listen to see if they get offended or defensive. Because, guys, you are, you are very valuable to our profession right now. You are the future of our profession. And we should be interested in your growth, your education, your advancement. We should be grooming you to be the very best therapist you can be so that you can lead future generations. And you want to put yourself into a hospital, into a department that understands that. You are valuable and you deserve to be treated with respect. All right. So you start ascertaining that by doing the three things that we talked about today. Number one, you need to pay attention to the overall feel of the interview. Are you getting that impression that they care about you as an addition to their team? Number two, you want to stay away from those questions that you shouldn't ask. Again, you want to start off on the right foot and there's certain questions you need to be sure you don't ask or at least don't lead with. And the third thing is you need to start digging and evaluating if the hospital, if the department has an adequate support system for new graduates. All right. If you ask those questions and you're feeling pretty good about this department and you want to dig deeper to understand the culture, like, like understanding if they are invested in your growth, in your education, in your advancement, you can start asking other questions. And we're going to do that next week. Okay, guys, next week's podcast, we're going to start talking about questions that you can ask to see if they are invested in your growth and education. So I want you to try to spend some time this week soul searching and coming up with an answer about what's going to make you happy. What type of team do you want to be part of? What's going to make you satisfied as you work in the profession? Once you know what you value, what's going to make you satisfied in the job, you can start that interview process and listen to the answers to your questions. All right. So tune in with me next week. Until then, do some soul searching, study hard, get prepped for those credentialing exams, and I'll see you soon.